Occasionally, myself and our coaching staff at DadStartingOver.com, we run into a client who has issues that go beyond the scope of coaching. They may have really severe anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, and this is the point where our coaches stop and say, have you spoken to a therapist? What a lot of these men say is, I've looked into it, not a lot of options in my area, it can't work with my schedule, or I have an appointment schedule, but I can't get in for another four months. In other words, the need is there. They recognize the need. They see the value in the therapy, but the options for getting the therapy are extremely limited in their area. Well, thanks to our friends at BetterHelp.com, there is an option for you. BetterHelp is a unique service that allows you to talk to a licensed therapist from your area via your telephone or your computer. You can do voice chat with them if you wish. You can email back and forth. You can text with them all on your time schedule, all from the convenience of your phone or your computer. So check it out at betterhelp.com DSO. That's betterhelp.com DSO and get 10% off your first month of service with BetterHelp. Hello everyone, DSO here from DadStartingOver.com and with me today is the lovely and talented Mrs. DSO. Insert applause here. I'll have to edit this later and put some applause in. We're not, we're not in the usual recording studio. We are sitting here in our Texas home. For those that don't know, we have two different homes in two different states for a lot of reasons we won't go into here. And we're in the Texas home in the little TV room den whatever you call it. Yep, the one that has absolutely no wall art. No wall art. This Yet. was a big Yet. Yeah, okay. Yet. This was a big thing where I, my birthday is next week yeah. and I'm asking for wall art. <laughs> well, I guess I need to go back to Amazon. Anyway, it's Etsy, etsy.com. Oh, my bad, Etsy. So, <laughs> I yeah. took you the link earlier. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Wow. So, I uh, um, thought this place would be good because it's isolated sound-wise from the kiddo and everything. And then she pointed out that there's no wall art in here, to which I, as a man, didn't even conceive of before because it's just a perfect little enclosed room. What do I care? Maybe it's a little echoey in here. I guess we'll listen back to the recording in here. But otherwise, oh, and she had to put this little blanket here on the couch to break up the color. Otherwise, and for those that don't know, if you're listening to this, we're going to have a video of this conversation for our DSO fraternity members to watch. Uh, as if that's some special treat oh. to see our faces. <laughs> I just thought yeah. this was going on TTalk. Oh, we, we will take clips of this and put it on TikTok. Okay, so the outfit changed. Not the entire thing. Because yeah, exactly. before this, I was wearing my workout well, Would you clothing. not want to change your attire for the DSO fraternity members? Are they some kind of no, lowly group? No, they're casual. But the TikTokers are way more judgy. Oh, this is true. This is true. Yeah, yeah, give you that much. Yeah, normally we don't sit around at the home at nine o'clock in the evening wearing our jeans and sweaters. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually sweaters a, uh, it's usually the, the jammy pants. pants yes, mismatched. we're the king and queen of jammy pants. I think all it's Americans much, are the as soon as we hit the door. Well, pants. yeah, what we I was going to say as soon as we hit the door and we come inside the house, we put on the jammy pants. Yes. The majority of humans that we've seen wear them when they go out <laughs> around here in the, in the states. Yes. You see them at Walmart and Target everywhere. So to get started, you had an awesome idea. You have these, okay, let me look at what the brand is here. 
Um, couples time together. I can't read the bottom print. What does it that say? It says cozy conversation and pleasant company. Ooh, it's, it's a little card It's about game. as dorky as it gets. But it is, we've had a few different brands of these. Yeah. And they're basically conversation starters with couples. You pick a random card and you read it to each other. And it gets a good, uh, we've had some good chats yeah. from these. So we thought, why not? And you thought, why not whip these out for the, uh, the podcast? And, and we can um, do one of these. For the right. folks at home, I think we were going to see how, how this is. see how this goes. Just to show you guys what we do when uh, we don't know I'm, what else to do. I'm old and I'm blind and I can't see any of this. And so, typically, you hand a card back and forth and take turns and you read it. So, Mrs. DSO is going to read all of them, and we will discuss each one and take turns well, answering, answering each the questions, one. Right. So, you will start. I will answer, then you go. So, you go ahead with the first one and go. What would you say has been the best decision of your life? Well, this is where I'm supposed to say, marrying marry you, of course. Okay, mm. it's not. No, no, this is a, this is a tough one. The absolute best decision of my life. Well, you know, this is where I'm supposed to take the the manly route and say divorcing my first wife. <laughs> but guess what? That wasn't my decision, so that goes out the window. <laughs> Plus, I'm not that much of a dickhead. Um, is it? What's well, too late to say marrying you? No, I mean, that's, I'll still take it. That's, <laughs> that was a pretty amazing decision on my part. I mean, I didn't have to. I could have eternally dated you no, and yeah. watch you go, man, are but we not I a serious have, thing? No, I would have left because I wouldn't have had a green card. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have much of a choice there either. Wow. No, you could have stayed indefinitely without a green card. Probably, yes, true. Because my mother did. Y yeah. Your mom had a green card because she married your dad. Mm, why did I? No, no, I'm thinking of the citizenship thing. Yeah. yeah, she did the dual citizenship. She wasn't right. a citizen for like most of my childhood, which was weird. You're right. You're right. She had the green card. Yeah. But so we so just so it's clear for our viewers and and listeners, you didn't marry me to get a ticket nope. into right. the state. You nope. were here for work training and supposed to go back. Right. You are a medical doctor and you were here for medical fellowship training, if you will. Got a divorce unexpectedly. Just happened to meet me. And the rest is history. And you were supposed to be going back, but we said, uh, you know what? We would like you to stay. And but but here's the kicker, for those sorry for those of you who didn't know this. If I would have said, well, we want you to stay in the country. Let's get married. That'll do it. That wouldn't have done it. So you're not telling the complete story here. But it kind of sounds like if I didn't marry you, you wouldn't have been able to stay. Remember the whole you right. need to go back home right. due to your visa. We were like, well, what if you got married? And they said, nope, not going to do it. Right. What if she got pregnant? Nope, not going to do it. <laughs> All these things. We, we did even go down that road. So No, we didn't. So <laughs> um, eventually we found loopholes to where you could work in certain what they called underserved areas and you were able to stay in the country. That's what did it. And that allowed you in turn to get a green card and stay. Well, I did still get the green card through you, but I could have gotten it through the hospital that was sponsoring my visa at the time. So technically, marrying you still got me the green card. Hmm. Yes. It should make you feel really good and powerful that you have these powers. No, it just sounds like some kind of desperate dude that just was used for his green card. Wouldn't you like to be used a little bit? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> anyway. Well, I don't know why we went off on that tangent. Yeah. Um, so it was still marrying me after this whole... I'm trying to think of major milestones in my life where I could say I had this big fork in the road moment of what to do. Do I take A or B? And marrying you resulted in so much positivity and took my life in a whole new awesome direction that 
Otherwise, it would have been way tougher for me to do, if at all possible. So that was a major decision where it was so obvious of, oh, wow, look how this opened so many doors for me. Mm. Anyhow, I, you know, I, I'm thinking on this too, as you're talking about your biggest and best decision. The point is that I think we make a million decisions within a week and um, sometimes we don't even recognize the small decisions that might be mm. really important. So I actually think... The butterfly effect. Right. Mm. So I do think the best decision of my life, if I like look at my life and its overall trajectory, was to move to the United States, which is funny because I actually don't love living in the United States, but it, it, it changed the trajectory of my life into everything turned around for me. I was very happy in Germany and I thought everything was going great, except for my marriage maybe. And... Um, but it not only did coming here change my career for the better, it changed everything for the better. It, it ended my previous marriage, which was really a trap. And um, it brought me you. It brought me your awesome three kids. It brought me our kid. Everything in my life turned for the better because I made that one mm. decision, which was not an easy decision to pick pack everything and just leave. <laughs> My is, is it safe to say that was a big step outside of your comfort zone? It was a like I so the thing is when you're in the middle of it and you're just caught up in residency and paperwork and exams and there's a lot of a lot goes into moving to the United States as a professional as a fully academically trained surgeon moving here is not a, a small feat it, it takes a lot but and so when you're in the thick of it you're thinking oh it's just a so many people go to the U.S. for some training or for some research time. And so I, at the time, it didn't seem like a big move. But when I look back at it, I'm like, oh, man, this was kind of ballsy to just risk everything and move over here. And things could have gone poorly. Mm-hmm. And it actually everything got better. I, I say that. Because I recently did a little video about how comfort kills men and how oh. many men I talked to were just... I'm comfortable, everything's thing. safe, everything's right. good here, I'm just going to stay right here. And it's like, you don't realize right. how much opportunity is just I, right yes. there. Or, like you point out, it could have been a catastrophic failure. Right, it could but have they been, say, you know, this is the whole thing, the person that stands at the edge, what if I fall? Yeah. And the other person says, but what if you fly? That's mm, exactly what it's about. Poetic. Right. Do you do you think about a change as, oh, I was going to, what if something bad happens? That's not how I ever look at anything. I always say, it might make things just better. Yep, there but, you go. People are people of comfort and habit, so some people are, have a really hard time changing that and risking something because it's always easier to fall back on something you already know. There is a risk involved, for sure. Yeah. All right, so let's Next go to the cards. See how this gets conversations going? It does. Um, describe your memories of our first date. Leave this, the saucy stuff out. Our first date. There wasn't much saucy um, stuff there on know, our first date. There was some making out and kissing, sure, but um, it was very whirlwind whirlwind go 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 which i think was in part addictive of our future together because <laughs> uh that yeah that's pretty much the next nine years of our life after that was go 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 whirlwind it was uh that was very we set the tone with that one it was jump from place to place um which is funny enough there's like this um school of thought or this whole world of online learning for men that are new to the dating world and uh, pick up artistry and stuff like like how to get girls and how to woo girls and how to have successful dates with them. And one of the things that is often said by people in that realm is you have to keep it exciting and keep it moving and go around and do different things. That keeps the woman happy and excited and on her toes and wondering what's next versus you know just sitting, having coffee, doing nothing. So we un, 
unconsciously just did that and accomplished that, I think. And that, again, set the tone. It was happy. And we both left there saying, oh my gosh, we did so much. How long was the date? In 12 hours? 12 hours. <laughs> 12 hours in total. Basically, all day long thing. From early afternoon to late at night, from a basketball game to a restaurant to a museum to a movie to mm-hmm. is that all in one day? Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Basically, it was we could have at any point said, "Well, it was nice seeing you. Let's do it again next week," but we didn't want it to end. Well, there was that one and a half hour drive too, so you know, like, a bit apart, hour and a half drive from each other. So might as well make it worth it, right? Yeah. And what precipitated that date was us both saying. I don't know with your schedule, my schedule and the distance, how we're going to make this work. And right. maybe a month from now we can meet or so or right. something like that. And then eventually we're like, nah, let's just go ahead and try it this weekend. Yeah. And then of course, as soon as that happened, it was the weekend after that. It was the weekend after, was it three right. weekends in a row? Yeah. <laughs> once we, once we got hooked on each other, mm-hmm. we made it work. Do okay. So question to you. I have lots of memories, but they're really more like fragments. Um, like I do not remember any of the conversations we had, which is funny because we talked a lot. Yeah. But I remember specifically the components of our date. I remember the um, basketball game and how you bought me drinks and commented on my boots. You always <laughs> mention that. That was apparently a big thing for you, me right. mentioning your boots. Because <laughs> I felt embarrassed by something. I said, I said something meaning something different, but it was just one of those foreign people don't really know how to say things. And I goofed. Something, something I grew up with my whole life with my Spanish mother. Right. And, and, and I said something. You were like, all right. And I was like, oh, what did I just say? <laughs> <laughs> so that's why that stuck out. And nice. then uh, it stood out. And then I remember our lunch at the Spanish place where I already looked at you, beautiful, handsome, delicious eyes. And <laughs> got all the butterflies. And then we went to the art museum mm-hmm. where I could already sense that there was this tension in the air mm. that something was going to happen. And uh, I was getting a little nervous and wasn't quite sure what signals I was going to mm. send and what signals I wanted to send and what signals I might might be sending that I didn't want to send. <laughs> you, see, you see women think, okay. wow. Yeah. And I was right. just like, she sure looked party. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going to kiss her. Right. And then, and then I remember oh. our first kiss. Mm-hmm. Next question. Um, what is my most annoying habit? Mm. Probably your controlling ways at times. It's not a habit or when just you, a personality trait. Mm. Yeah, I guess what's the definition of a habit? I'm, yeah. I'm staying with it. So when you are anxious about something, you become more controlling. And that is annoying. Because I'm a man. We don't like being controlled. I don't control you. I control the you situation. You try to control yeah, never it all. with any success, though. Damn you right. tell me not, not to. Put me in my place. Spank you. Well, the thing is, if, if the controllingness comes out of anxiety, then it's helpful when you take over control because it makes me feel at peace and at ease. And then I feel like you're already helping me out with my anxiety. Here you go. <clears throat> yeah, but sometimes as a man, when you're just tired because of whatever, mm-hmm. and then it's this little unexpected like, no, no, do this, no, no, no do that. No, you're just like... I think sometimes... I think sometimes it's also us just being in the habit of being controlling all day long because we're controlling the kids, controlling our moms <laughs> right now. And then we're just like, we're on a roll of controlling and then you come home and we're like, take your shoes off, do that, do that, do that, just because that's what we've been doing all day. So I think it's not necessarily against you. We're trying to control you. No, no, yeah. We're just in a controlling mode mm-hmm. and you just need to stop it by taking over. 
Okay, so what's okay. my annoying habit? Um, so None. Moving on. The toothpaste mm. in the sink, and I mean that's every woman's answer is the flipped up toilet seat. It's just you know. I thought I was good about lowering the. Sometimes, but there's still pee dribble. Mm, can't help it. Oh. <clears throat> That's it. Wow. All right. Toothpaste, <laughs> pee dribbles. Could be worse. <laughs> I don't have a... Hmm. Strangely lately, enough, the title of my next book. Toothpaste, lately, to pee dribbles. Lately, just the amount of time you spend on your phone, but I understand that's important for you. Aww, I'm trying to do better. Yeah. Hmm. Anyhow, moving on. All right. Okay, we're done Is with there, this card. Oh, that's it? Really? Okay, well, there you go. We that's should talk the, about other things. So, I thought... Um, I, you know, I've been doing a lot more on the little TikTok and Facebook videos and so forth. And I can see what is really making people go, ooh, and comment and like and share and everything else. And it's always when I do some little gender specific things such as um, things women do or did you notice that? Or I often hear from men that their women say, sure enough, boom. And a lot of it's a lot of women saying, oh, I don't think so. Um, the general tone. It's one that I've done and my buddy Rudy A on TikTok has done um, and others, which is uh, start with the most obvious example was one where I did the little TikTok experiment video, which got 4.5 million views. So it went viral, viral. (laughs) And it was, um, hey, ladies and men, what would you say if your spouse said, I am no longer physically attracted to you? Go to the men. 80 some odd percent, high 80s, I don't have the number here in front of me, said, uh, well, I guess time to get back to the gym. I don't want to lose my wife and my family over something like my looks. Um, I would say, what can I do to fix it? There were a small handful that said, go off yourself, woman. But again, very, very small. The exact inverse happened with the women. 90 some percent said, go off yourself, go to hell. Um, funny enough, a lot of women said, you know what I would do? I would lose a ton of weight and then divorce his ass. That's just weird. Um, Sorry. Time, time for me to time for me to take him for all his money and get a mommy makeover and then leave him for somebody who actually loves me for who I am. Okay. Um, very small percentage said, well, I guess it's time for me to go to the gym or diet because it's how we look is important to our man. So the exact inverse. And so I kind of left it to the crowd to say, what the hell's going on here? And sure enough, some women responded extremely negatively. Uh, A lot of men got on there saying, amen, brother. Thank you so much for saying this. It's totally a one-sided thing. It's a a bias thing, whatever you want to call it. Um, But then I took that kind of theme and applied it to other things and uh, some other things. Rudy did a video where he said... uh, He responded to a woman who made a a, a video where she was literally in tears saying, I was with my husband for so many years. Um, I begged him basically to do things with me and we ended up divorced. And now guess what he does with his new young, pretty bride. He's going all over the place doing those things I always wanted to do. Hmm. What the hell? And Rudy gets on there and says, I can totally empathize. Us men have a similar thing, which is how come my wife doesn't want to be sexy and sexual and pretty and all those things like she used to do when we were dating. Um, but as soon as we divorced, she just transformed into this new woman and became all sexual and lost a bunch of weight and started going to the gym and dressing sexy. And he's like, where was that? So there's this theme of where was that from both sides, different things. Um, funny how the men seem to focus on the physical. 
to look pretty, put effort into your appearance, and the women seem to focus on put effort into your doing things and showing with his acts of, of love and service and so forth. So I don't know where to go with that, except for maybe here's a good starting point. Let's qualify this further. This will be for a good little TikTok video. <laughs> Just so we know who we're talking to here, and this is no dummy. You're an educated woman. Uh, you're a medical doctor. You're a surgeon. You cut people for a living. Yeah. Um, put it that way. You speak... <laughs> You speak three languages, two fluently, third French. I've heard you speak French. It's pretty good. I can order my food and get what I, I ordered. I listen to you. You carry conversations. No. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, the conversation, like, where's the bathroom? And thank you for my I heard you in a cafe. Milk. It was pretty good. Okay, so you're 50% French, 100% English, and German. And um, so we're talking to not an idiot here. So. Well, you didn't bring up my Latin. Well, so non-idiot extremely smart beautiful woman um are women in fact entitled do women have a lack of accountability and maybe qualify that further of what type of woman are we talking about here modern day western woman is there a lack of accountability is there a lack is there an entitlement thing go okay how, how about this I do think that our generation is more entitled than most other generations, which makes sense because we were raised entitled. We were raised in, in luxury and wealth. Even the ones that weren't raised in luxury and wealth were compared. If you compare it to a hundred years ago, we're still raised in luxury and wealth. We had all our needs met, most of us. And I'm I'm going to talk about the the big part of the bell curve, not the edges. Um, so I think. And part of our generation is just entitled, period. And a lot of our generation feel like they have no accountability. They are they they deserve stuff. They don't need to work for anything. They should just be given things because that's kind of what their childhood experience, their upbringing was. So I do think there's a lot of people out there. And I do think that the trophy culture in schools and the emancipation of women have kind of created a bit of a monster with where some women just think that they should just be sitting there and do nothing and get the best husbands on the planet and not be expected to do anything for it i don't think that that's a lot of women but there seems to be a theme even in pop culture if you listen to the songs a lot of the songs are i can do whatever i want i can you know get away with anything and you should still love me you don't deserve me so there's a lot of that theme going on, um, but but I don't know how many people really feel that way and are really truly that way. I think we just see a selection bias that a lot of those people that act entitled and have no accountability, those people tend to also be very loud mm. on the internet mm -hmm. and in pop culture. So we, I think you get a skewed image, but it also feeds into other susceptible people that they then think oh if that woman that's says the way that, to be yeah. then i need to be like that too so i think with social media becoming being in everybody literally in everybody's bedroom every night a lot more women adapt that behavior and that culture so maybe it is a kind of like a pandemic of entitlement but if, if, if you listen to uh a lot of the women in my comments and stuff, they will say it's not necessarily I as a woman feel like I am worthy of stuff just because I exist. I'll tell you what the problem is. It's the problem with these men these days. Right. <clears throat> men these days just royally suck. 
on a lot of levels. And I've heard that too. And here's how they suck. One thing I hear is um, once we get married, the men just kind of fall by the wayside and they're like, woman, you take care of the logistics of the family. You take care of the household. You take care of all that. I'll just be over here playing video games. Hmm. And I'm sure that exists for a lot of men. But um, from the men I talk to in my coaching, dadstartingover.com, it's, um, I will admit, it's a subset of the population which maybe doesn't represent the whole. And that is I typically talk to almost a codependent, pretty neurotic, will do anything and everything to keep his wife and his family type of guy. And he will step way over his bounds and have you know, no boundaries and he'll be one of those guys. Um, well, those guys, like to say they don't do their fair share is ridiculous because they do their fair share like a lot. They do every, anything and everything. And in some of those cases, the women just flat out do nothing because those women are depressed and they have all kinds of issues and the man really picks up the slack. And yet those men say much the same thing that Mr. Lazy Boy playing his video games says, which is, what happened to my wife? What happened to the sexy? What happened to all this? So you got two ends of the spectrum saying the same thing. Um, as far as the end result of marriage, the end result of cohabitating for long periods of time. You're right. We don't hear much from the the, the, the big bulk in the middle, the average dude who does have his boundaries, who does do his fair share, who does work really hard, who does keep in relatively good shape, who's not a giant fat slob. And then the wife who's like, yeah, I'm, I got to go to yoga class three days a week and watch what I eat. You don't. Now, are we being a little Pollyannish by saying that's the uh, majority of men and women out there? Maybe, but that's the people in our social circle, wouldn't you say? The people in our social circle. They represent the, the people that, that put are... in effort? Do, the women that, let me I say this, the women in, in your social circle so. that you talk to. Would, yeah, I think so. If I were to go to the woman, let's call her Amy. Her name starts with A. And you were to say, um, Amy, what do you think? If your man says we need yeah, to hit the yeah, gym right. and get healthier and work out and so forth, yeah. would A say, yeah, you're right, we do? Or would she say go to hell? A little bit of both maybe, but I mm. think um, you're right. I think the people that we are hearing off, that's a, and it's a gender unspecific problem, that those are people that are entitled, they have poor mental health, they have maybe codependency, they have maybe sad childhood experiences with an absent dad or a narcissistic mom and um or an absent mom <clears throat> or a mom with poor boundaries or a dad with poor boundaries so i think we're what what you and i both see the the bad people the people that are slobs or they don't want to participate in things and they blame the other side they have no accountability those are not the people that we hang out with but they're also i don't think they're the majority out there or the average person i think they're there are just a lot of unfortunate people out there that had maybe a, a difficult story, but they are overrepresented on the social media because they need to share their stories. Sometimes they don't have the resources to get access to mental health, um, you know, mental health counselors. So I think that that might be one of the reasons. For sure. Well, and then there's also the thing that how many people do you think that we know that we think are perfectly fine and normal and you have good boundaries, but there's n there's just badness in the marriage. We just don't know because it's under the surface. So we don't we yeah. have no clue what goes on behind people's doors. Also, who, who we're hearing from are those people who are most vocal about their problems and have reached out for help. 
via right. via complaining on the internet or talking to me directly or right. That's what I said or too, whatever. Yeah. yeah, and so um, maybe this maybe the majority is silent. Now we're dipping into a whole um, kind of not so good conversation about uh, marriage and is it for the majority of us? Our majority of marriages kind of dull and lifeless and really not much to write home about. They just had some kids and they just go about their separate ways, kind of thing. I think a lot of people get married and think that once they're married, the work is done and, and they can just uh, push on the autopilot and everything else will kind of happen on its own. Like, you know, they, they get promoted, they have kids, the kids raise themselves magically, uh, money comes flying in magically, and people don't really think about how much work it takes to keep a marriage going. A marriage takes as much effort as raising kids or getting a promotion in your job, but people don't look at it that way, I think. Well, there's the, uh, uh, I have seen these comments from people saying if, because I say much the same thing, it takes work and not everybody's uh, cut out for the work. It takes training. It takes a personality type. It takes experience coming from certain type of background, family, blah, blah, blah. Right. And some people come back with actually, if it feels like work or it takes work, then it wasn't quote meant to be. But here's the thing. The, per the person that says oh, he tells me I need to lose weight because he's not attracted to me. That's also the person that says marriage shouldn't be hard work. Those are the people that don't want to put in work because life is work pretty much from the second you're born. Just struggling to breathe is like the first moment as an infant where you learn, oh, this is actually kind of hard. <laughs> so life is work and anything good is double the work. And so I think there are just some people that just expect life to be easy for some reason. I've said this before and I've got some grief for it that it really the more I, I dig into this whole world it's just like this winner loser mentality and a lot of winners are like well I got knocked down better get back up again well this is the work it takes if it means I got to work 100 hours this week to get this done that's what it means well you're more loser types or more like I shouldn't have to do all this work I shouldn't have and right. this and should just maybe, come to me and if it doesn't come right. to me F all you people but that's that goes back to Maybe it's our whole generation. We never had to work for anything. We got a trophy for sitting in the classroom, and that could very well know, go toward. It helps contribute to it for sure. It, it's not the only reason, but I think it's a part of a yeah, a whole part of a complex spectrum of, of what yeah, our generation complex, yep. faced when they grew up. Um, but and but I'm saying, you know, even people that didn't grow up in fortunate environments still think a lot of them still think life shouldn't be hard, relationships shouldn't be work, and I agree, relationships shouldn't be a daily fight where you're just struggling to have a normal conversation and it always ends up in there's a fight. A there's a divide. There's a tipping but point where it goes from be, work right. to... Yeah. But it, it's a maintenance kind of work. So, for example, ever since we had the baby, my a lot of my attention is drawn to feeding her, taking care of her, playing with her, still running the full-time job, and but with us having a long-distance relationship where most of our relationship was built on the texting and staying in touch with each other throughout the day. Now there are hours sometimes where you don't hear from me and vice versa. And um, that that brings the maintenance of our marriage down to an absolute minimum to where in the evening I'm like, oh man, I don't know what my husband did all day. And it's awful. And that's where I re remember uh, we need to do a date night. We need to stay in touch with each other. And if you just got comfortable at that point and said, oh, he's fine, he's got his stuff, he's got his buddies, he's got his hobbies, and he's got his job, and there's no mean, it's, it's fine. Then yeah. before you know it, you, you, live a, you live each other's lives separately and you grow apart and you don't know, you don't recognize the person next to you. And then before you know it, you don't sleep with each other. And 
you don't kiss each other in the morning and you just walk out the door and you didn't even realize if you woke up with him and had breakfast or not. You might as well have done this all by yourself. When you get caught in the family machine, it's very easy to lose yeah. sight of each other. Very, yeah, very easy. Oh, he's taken this kid to that school. I'm taking that kid to the school. And then when we get home, you he's take one kid run to basketball. To a, a work meeting. Right. You know, we haven't talked about work. Right. One goes to the PTO meeting and... Before you know it, you haven't had a conversation that went beyond who's taking the next kid to where and who's making dinner for whom. Um, and so that's, that's I think, where people think, oh, man, and now I have to work in a marriage, too. It shouldn't be work. But that's that's unfortunately wrong. And so this week, for example, very busy week for both of us, uh, we made a point to say two dates this week, two date nights this week, which consist of a couple hours of dinner, mm-hmm. drinks, and this thing. This is actually... So we had a date night yesterday. We're doing this now. And then we have a date night tomorrow. So you could <gasps> consider like three date nights right. in a row. So just for people, what did we do yesterday that we consider a quote date night? We went to Nothing dinner big. drinks. That's it. Oh, speak easy. Not just dinner speak drinks. Easy. Yeah. Speak easy. <laughs> Where we go in the phone booth, say a secret word. And, and then a go magical through door a opens. Magical wall. Yes. And, and then you sit go down. go into a normal restaurant. Beverages. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Like in every other restaurant. It's really silly. <laughs> and uh, tomorrow, are we doing an escape room or no? I don't know. We haven't really committed to tomorrow yet. Yeah. I kind of feel bad for leaving my mom alone for like three nights in a row. Yeah, her row. mother's here from Germany for several weeks. Yeah. Over a month, right? Right. Yeah. Five weeks. Yeah. And we'll so, think about it. We'll figure it out tomorrow. Yeah, but we feel bad. But all the baby does is sleep. No, but it's just mom, more about oh, leaving, leaving mom her alone, alone. and yeah, gotcha. feeling bad that she sits here by herself. But we can always do something with her and then just us but we'll figure it out but that's the point is that we're figuring it out it right. is a a prominent part of our our coupleness is this we have to do things for just you and i mm-hmm. and uh i recently did a thing about there's this uh you know um, dr carl jung has these famous archetypes that's his thing, his whole, when in his writings and so forth, he comes up with these archetypes, these little uh, categories of people that he sees, you know, throughout life. And one of them is the devouring mother, hmm. which is this mother who becomes so intertwined with her child and her entire identity comes from the child and it's just this hyper neurotic, hyper anxious, um, attached to the child to the point where the child's dependency on mom is crucial for mom's well-being and uh, this, these are the mothers that the child sleeps with me even though he's 12 now you know that craziness mm-hmm. um, I'm gonna breastfeed the kid even though he's five years old yeah. um, no the kids not going to school I'm gonna homeschool him because I can't trust any school I don't want the kid to leave my side right, and right. then they become a teenager why do you need to go out with girls isn't your mother good enough for you that kind of awfulness um, yeah. <laughs> so we have the, that's extreme, extreme, the devouring mother, but we see kind of uh, a lot of women, I, a lot of men I talk to, their wives are kind of inching towards that with, we don't go on any dates. Well, why not? My wife doesn't trust anyone to watch our child. Only she is able to do so. It's like, does she have siblings? Yeah, she has three sisters and a brother. Hmm. None of them? Nope. Yeah, grandma crazy. in the picture? Grandma, both grandmas are still in the picture. Grandpa? Yeah, that's yep. Too nope, much. nope, nope, nope. Um, for an, I mean, for an hour. I trust my mom for an hour. There's phones. If she has a trouble, hard time. She can message us. Exactly. And we have nannies and uh, your siblings. You should trust them. So I feel like there's something that's takes not a right. village, you right, know, as they say. Right. Um, 
but a lot of men internalize that as this wife is using this child as a shield between the right. two of Which us. Maybe subconsciously she is. Yeah, if I keep this kid in bed, this man will stay the hell away from me because I don't want anything to do with him anymore. That's probably a part of it. The other part is just this extreme anxiety and guilt over being mom, and they become hyper-attached, and they think 24-7 about the kid. Well, I can see and, that, especially sure. if you're a full-time working mom. There's a lot of guilt, and you know you, you feel like you try to make up for it when you're back home. So I can see how you easily fall in that trap. But then what about the husband? And that's one thing I asked you yesterday. Doesn't it? Doesn't that trigger a lot of negative emotions and resentment in the male when, you know, all, he was always number one in the wife's life and then the babies come along and then the wife doesn't even remember to kiss him good, good morning because she's too busy making breakfast and getting the kids dressed. I, I tell you, I think it's naturally... Um, of course, you give a little, oh, man, I kind of miss the old her. This is the wife versus girlfriend dynamic. Right. The girlfriend's so hyper-attached and validating of the man and strokes his ego um, while the, the, but the, excuse me, the girlfriend does that, while the wife is more, wife and mother of his children is more, dude, you come like number eight on the list. Right. You're a husband. You're an adult. You can take care of yourself for a lot of this stuff. I got a lot of That's other true. things I have to do. You are an adult. So, you know, I'll see you when I see you. Yeah. And like, oh, now what I've seen is who is able to tolerate that more so are men that come from good backgrounds and families that they see that dynamic and they see it still work and they see this loving mom and dad in spite of all that, except they have the tools to make that work. Um, the guys that I see that not working are your Mr. Playboy type who slept with a thousand women and he was able to get his needs met very, very readily and he could sleep with multiple women in one week. Uh, a lot of these guys come from like the nightclub world and bartending and stuff like that. And they throw their around a lot of party scene and then they get tired of that. And then they're thrown into the, I, I want to settle down with a wife and kids. And then they do that. And then the inevitable slowdown happens and they're like, no, I, this right. isn't, isn't happening. Yeah. I need I that. Give all this up for that. Yeah. I need that constant go, go, go. That was fun. That, that, that was, uh, right exhilarating addictive well, and it made me feel like a man this makes me feel like less of a man and those guys have affairs like crazy but then there's also the needy type that has no self-esteem and thinks that now that his wife isn't paying attention anymore he's but that you're tiptoeing towards something which a lot of women point to which is ooh, mm -hmm. what kind of man needs validation from his woman no, but what kind yeah. of man? No, but there needs. are men out there that really want to own their women. They want their women around them yeah, all exactly. the time. Yeah, exactly. But but the point right. is that we point to the man who's like, uh, I don't want you going out. I don't want you doing anything. Who are you talking to? Blah blah right, blah. Right. All your attention is supposed to be on me. That narcissistic, kind mm -hmm. of sociopathic dude. Mm -hmm. But that's point zero 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 whatever percent of men. Okay, got you. The the guy who's perfectly normal and says, Man, I want man, to spend some time with you. I, what happened to the good morning kisses, you know? And mm -hmm. if he dares make the mistake of saying, what, no kiss? A lot of women just go, Shoom. Is that all you think about? Yeah, and look at the man <laughs> going, what'd you just say? What, no kiss? Aww. Is it all about you and your body? And it's all about, meh, 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 meh. it's all about, and the man well, just slumps. If you get goes, that, though, there's yeah, a lot of message stuff received. on your dynamics. Yeah, that, that part of our life is over. Right. And it's, uh, some men become suicidal over that. Yeah, because but if you were at that point where that conversation goes that way, you've missed about a million steps where you could have maybe worked on your marriage. Because when you told me yesterday, I didn't get no kiss in the morning, I felt horrible and I gave you a kiss and, and more. <laughs> of, 
two kisses <laughs> and I felt bad for the rest of the day and I didn't shame you or say said all you can think of no I, I realized oh man I, I really didn't notice that you were in the kitchen while I was making breakfast and preparing the lunchbox and, here, and here's the thing um, early relationship Mrs. DSO it wouldn't have been a kiss it would have been what? fill in the blank with your imagination right <laughs> Right. So if you give a man that, which, by the way, is the most rewarding, addictive um, set of circumstances any man can get uh, introduced to, more than badly, you know what I mean. Um, any man who has experienced that will say the same thing. Dude, once you experience that, you can't go back. There's no going back. You just can't. Um, so you've experienced that. And then, but as a mature adult, I understand, dude, you can't have that every day forever i mean you can That's, but then you don't get married and you just go through girlfriends and but with this one woman that can't right. continue day after day after day it's ridiculous nobody can keep that well, up there's also a natural evolution of every relationship and you know as you get old together there are, things are going to change oh, sure, about sure, your sure. bodies and your needs and your intimacy and your emotional needs too. So I think, but that's the, the beauty of deciding to grow old together is that, that you accept all those changes and that you're going through them together in the most graceful and sexy way you can. But again, that takes work. It takes the effort to say, yes, we're growing old together, but we're growing old together by staying fit, by eating well, by working on mm -hmm. each other and ourselves. And um, I'm digressing. No, but so to tell the guy who was used to, let's use the analogy of steak dinner on a daily basis from his girlfriend. She used to wake him up by doing all kinds of unspeakable sexual acts with him, validating the hell out of him. He Every day he's got a smile on his face like, I am king of the world. And then, would you like to marry me? Would I marry you? I'd marry you a million times, woman. Of course right, I will right. marry you. Everything's great, the honeymoon period. Then kids come and... Hey, honey, you want to, I, oh, okay. You know, baby came. I understand. Cool. You string months together of that, years together of that. And then he has the quote nerve to say, remember how we used to be? Women snap like right. that, turn and go, excuse right. me. That chapter of our life is over. Right. And for some men to hear that is like I say. It's a kick in the stomach. More than that. It's, yeah. it's a, uh. What have I done? I've made the most giant right. mistake in the world kind of thing. And women hear that and go, are you serious? It's that much of an issue for you? The well, hot, because, sexy time? Right. Yes, because it's more than just well, but hot, it, sexy. It's all right. the stuff that's rolled the, the into The hot, it. sexy stand is, is like the cherry on top or it, it's the trigger where you realize something isn't right. And and for the man, because it's so the, they're so much more physical and it's one of those very basic needs, when that isn't met, it just... Amplifies it everything else. Amplifies everything else, but it also is a sign that everything else under that is already not working. Mm -hmm. And they're holding on to that one last thing. Well, but at least we're intimate. And if that's gone, there's nothing else left. And so I think if they get that response from their wife, who, by the way, sees it the up the other way around for her intimacy, she's like, yeah, whatever. I can I can have sex, no sex for six weeks, and probably not even remember because I or notice because I have kids and I have all this stuff going on. So for women, it is so far down on the priority list once they have kids that they they don't even understand how big of a deal it is for the guy. And when the guy brings it up, the woman is like, really? Off of the million things on your to-do list, mm. that's the one thing that bothers you. But we don't understand that that's not one of the million things on your to-do list. That's your basic need. 
in a relationship. And I think that's where a big of the a lot of the disconnect comes from. Is that we think, oh my god, that's all you can think of, such an animal, and I don't feel sexy. And uh, all the things at the end of the day, he wants me to put on a cute outfit and be sexy for him, really. So I think that's that's just a big disconnect between the genders. But here's here's what I would say to that, which right. I completely empathize with you. And I'm not painting you as a villain for saying what you just said in the last 30 seconds. Right. But a lot of men hearing that say, do you realize what you just said? Yeah. No, you, I know. You have just told 80% of the male population, don't you dare get married. That's how serious what you just said is. Right. Well, the question is, what do you want out of life? And if you want just daily sex and that's all you want, then maybe marriage isn't the best thing. That's if not, you want intimacy and growth together. Not daily sex. When you just said, look, it's number 18 on my list. Mm-hmm. A lot of women, let's qualify this further. A lot of women have, when you're in a long-term monogamous relationship, you have what's called more responsive desire. Once we get going and we're in the act of the sexy thing, I go, oh, yeah, of course, I love this. This is awesome. We should do this more often. And then you're able to go, oh, back to mom mode, back to whatever. Mm -hmm. And your man's sitting there going, remember how you said we should do this more often? (laughs) We just did it this morning. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't that great? (laughs) Tonight. do it again. So we're just wired differently that way. Um, yeah. But it's getting to that point of, all right, it's important. Let's do this. That's the barrier for a lot of women. And you just laid out the campaign for women to not do that. Well, but here's to not the point. Take that step. But here is the point that I was trying to make is that when women always say, oh, that's all you can think of. And why don't you do, why don't you take the trash out? Why don't you ever make dinner? Why don't you do this? I, th- I think we do exactly what you guys do just the other way around instead of thinking about all the things that we think you should be doing we need to remember hey he's actually trying to work on this marriage he's trying to put some intimacy back we should give you credit for the things that you bring into the relationship dynamics instead of saying oh just want sex again we should be thanking you for saying oh right we are married and there are these things that I just forget about and I'm thankful that you bring up that I didn't kiss you this morning because that brings brings the mem- the, the romance back and the the working on us back and it, it's the it's exactly the same that you, that thing that you're doing cuz you so the men saying hey I want more sex is exactly the same thing as the women saying hey you need to take the trash out mm. I'm sorry it is. Mm. Yes, you know why? Mm. Because the men, for the men, that's a very important need for them in that moment. And for the woman, the trash is a very important need in that moment. Here's here's the difference. Right. How's it so different? Never have I taken the trash or watched you take the trash out. Let's flip the gender and just said, I love this woman. <laughs> I would hand over my wallet to this woman. I would move across country for this woman. I would make human beings with this woman. I would start I would start a family with this woman. Sexual whatever is integral to us as human beings, men and women. It's basically why we're here. It's to procreate. Right. Let's not equate domestic duties that every person does day in and day out, at least you should, to something as special, unique loving wonderful magical as physical intimacy between two people when you 
equate that, the two together, it's very, very hurtful to men. Extremely so hurtful to saying men. you're saying having sex is not a task and it shouldn't be it's looked at as very, a task, but it's a connection and intimacy. Every man wants to know that it's not a task on your list, but a rather a visceral, almost animalistic, almost natural, whatever thing that is a given but that we have to. But is it? But is it? It, quote, in our minds should be. Right. And if it's not, here's the kicker. The more, I, don't know, I was going to say valuable a man is, the more um, on paper attractive the man is to, okay, so let's put it this way. If I got a guy, this is the analogy I often use, and I put him up on a stage in front of an auditorium of single women. The kind of guy where 98 out of the 100 women say, can I have him? Can I have him? That guy? That guy is going to be far less tolerant of a wife who says, I would if you just took the trash out more without me asking. I would be into it if you did this and this. That guy with the 98 women says, why in the Sam fuck would I put up with that nonsense? Now the super needy, anxious, codependent guy says, can I take out a hundred bags a day of trash? I'll take out the neighbor's trash. I'll go down the block and take out everybody's trash. You, you just sit right there on the couch, young lady, and I'll do anything and everything. But I didn't make this a conditional thing. That's what it sounds like. But no. I know what you're saying. It's the equivalent it's, it's, of, it's, it's the, um, what's the word? Well, th what I'm Acts saying is, service? the woman has needs and the man has needs. And when we say there is a need that's unmet, and our need is help me more in the household, help me more with kids, that's at that point very important to us. And it's about as important to us in that moment as it is for you asking for, for intimacy. And we think, oh, he's just asking for physical stuff. What? Why does he think of that right now? Because we think of that when all the tasks are done, when when the day is done, the kids are in bed, the house is clean, the food is pre-cooked, um, we read all those work emails for the next morning, and then we step in the shower, wash all the crud off, and then put our sexy lingerie on, and then it's intimacy time. And so the faster we get to that point, <laughs> the the better. And so I think that what I'm trying what I'm trying to say is, no, I don't want you to do chores so that I reward you with sex. That is absolutely not what I was saying. I'm saying we have needs and we express them, but our needs unfortunately do not include up top the sexual part. But for you guys, you express your needs and you bring up the sexual and the intimacy and the need to connect part first. And then and you're like, who cares if the trash is taken out? Who cares if the dishes are dirty in the sink? Let's be dirty first and then get, get those dishes clean together. So actually, I think you guys as the males because the the sexual part is so high on your priority list you bring the health into the marriage by re reminding us of that so i'm i'm trying to be nice mm -hmm. no i get it and, and putting it in the best but, possible way but here's let's, let's go to the man who says um, wife it's been four months i've been tracking this we haven't had sex this is this is, this is ridiculous yes no i have men who uh, keep spreadsheets yeah, that's they're, they're probably understandable. On the, they're, they're spectrum me kind of, you know, no, but I mean, guys. if you're if if it gets that if severe, tried you want to go with her to Evans to go see, right? That's Plus, what they also, do. if you're trying like to figure out what gets her going, you better keep a list that's of what things they do. you've tried. Yeah, I said these spectrum me guys are very technical engineer yeah. type, you know. I, I took her to lunch Wednesday and it resulted in sex Thursday, so every Wednesday, you know, they <laughs> get lunch. that serious about it, and yeah. so 
that guy has, you know, he, he's, he's had enough. He's about to lose his marbles and he sits down with the wife and the wife says what you said, which is, you know, what's important to me. I need more help around this house. How man interprets that is help around the house more equals sex. Right. He does that. It doesn't work. Therefore I tell often guys do chores because that's what adults you're, do. Your partner, right. you know, you're supposed to, what are you gonna, else are you going to do? Sit around and just twiddle your thumbs. I understand if you're at work, I understand if you're on a business trip, whatever it may be, but if you're sitting there and you walk past an unmade bed, just take five seconds out of your life and make the bed. If you see dishes, wash them. It takes 20 seconds of your life. It's not a big deal. It's just what you do. And, um, so these guys hear that and they hear that from the wife and they do this, but I tell these men, it's not a all condition. that stuff is not going to result right. in sex. Right. So uh, in a, a perfect demonstration of how important sex is to men. Oh, that's not going to get me laid. Then why well, would I do that? Why the fuck would I do right. that? Because you're being nice. Men then take the next step of, I'm not some chump schmuck guy. That's going to go around and do a bunch of household work. Like Mr. Mom, when it gets me nothing. And then you women go, what do you mean? It gets you nothing. It gets you, you know, it's called being a good dude. It's just called being a partner. It's called being a husband. Of course you're right. going to do that shit. Not if it doesn't get me rewarded. But that's kind it's of the this same. vicious circle we're in here. Well, you can flip it around this the other way. Why would I have sex with you? Where the woman is like, why would, I, why would I have sex with you? What do I get for that? Or the man should be like, um, well, we're married. That's kind of when you're married, you have sex. That's kind of part of the thing. <laughs> but what every man wants is that it's such a visceral thing for you, just like it is for us that it's not even a question right that uh, that's why every man's fantasy is to be drugged into the bedroom by his insatiable wife who just says we got five minutes i need you so right now i can't i'm about to lose my marbles i know oh that means I've, really tapped a into dilemma. I've tapped into something into this woman so much so that it, it makes me feel like a king and that happens once in a blue moon happens a lot in the early stages post marriage and kids every now and then yeah. well i mean a lot of it is to just hormones right when you're when you're in the early dating phase, the testosterone of the female is higher, so they're more interested in, in sex. And then as they, the more, the longer they're together, the older they get, and the more babies they have, the testosterone levels drop. I mean, they can be as low as zero in a female, so there goes your libido. So I think a lot of it is just pure physics, and um, sure. how do you get through that? And us men can, experience a lot of the same thing. Right? Remember we talked about the Coolidge effect? Where um, uh, and this was all all the old studies about how um, animals respond to new mates mm -hmm. was all about the male. They never looked at the female for whatever reason, and they noticed that there was the famous study with the rats in the enclosure. The rat, the male rat, bred with all the or mated with all these females, and then he was done, and he couldn't do it anymore. And then they then they plopped in a new female, and all of a sudden he sprung to life and said, "Oh, I can just go like crazy," and just did it all over again with a new one. So we're wired to just be kind of worn out by I, I just can't anymore. I, I just can't. And I think it's more so with women. Um, you and I, famously, probably to the annoyance of many. Um, talked about our early relationship trip to New York City <laughs> where we had uh, sex 13 times in five days. If you held a gun to my head and said, you got to do that now, that'd be tough for me just because I'm older. Oh, and I'm fatter. No. Um, <laughs> but that new relationship stuff kicks things into way into overdrive. And uh, I'm just the like, newness. how the hell did shiny I do new that? Shoes. Yeah, how did I do that? Shiny bike, shiny we were car. Like a, we were maybe five months into our relationship when we did that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah so pretty much still exactly. relatively new. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, so you guys are an amplification of that because you don't have all that other testosterone and stuff to, right. to that quantity to back it up and everything else. And some women are. I've been corrected by a lot of women. Um, there is a growing population of uh, couples where the man's like, no, nah, I'm good. And the wife's like, what well, do you mean you're good? Yeah, I got my porn and my video right. games. I was going to say there's also porn. And I'm obese and I'm out of shape and my hormones are all, all out of whack. And I'm, I'm good with not doing it for the next couple of months. And the women just can't believe that. Right. And that's a growing population, unfortunately. It'll just get worse once the sex robots come out. Oh, man. We could go on and on about that. So yeah. why are we still so sexual after nine years together? Because we make the effort. Because we make the well, effort. Well, and, and here's a big thing. You make the effort even when I forget about it because I'm wrapped up in stuff. But and what does that effort look like to you? <laughs> well, you're being sweet it's little touches it's little gestures it's do, reminding me yeah. of the morning kiss do you take every little gesture i have as we better do it tonight missy <laughs> no well some women do uh, so i take every gesture as a reminder that there's a physical me that you see and and I sometimes forget about the physical me because I'm just so wrapped up in my head and so for me it's more of a loving reminder of hey hello inside there is still that that cute 32 year old that I had sex with 15,000 times in <laughs> one week um, so for me it's actually flattery because I, I think it's awesome that after all that we've experienced together that you still if you've, if you've seen me give birth that you still still feel all those things and want that connection so for me it's really a, a, a nice thing and i'm thankful for that because i think if you didn't make those little efforts sometimes I, I sometimes get so caught up in other things so for me it's never a ugh oh please can you do anything else can you think of anything else in this it's never like that and and but, n and none of what i do is calculated either it's just no natural but it's to also me. that's just how we are very touchy-feely and not yes. all of the couples are like that we know nope. couples that haven't we think they're like brother and sister the, living the together psychological term is very avoidant right they, and they never touch any each kind other of intimacy and closeness well, and for some people that's just they, that's cultural or religious they just don't have a public display of affection thing going for them or so we are the private display of right, affection that's that. very mechanical Right. Um, and so everybody is a little different in how they show their love and their feelings for each other. So I think we are just, we happen to just have similar love languages and we love being touchy feely, but that's also because both our mothers were very loving and my mom is still very touchy feely. And that's just how we were loved. So I think how you were loved says about, will, will imprint a lot of the ways that you will show your love. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I could see how maybe some women that weren't showered with oh, affection sure. and no, touching I hear all the time, yeah. yeah they when you touch them they'll be like why are you touching me? for all the codependent nervousy neurotic nice guy types that i talk to uh, i don't have a number but i'm gonna say nine times out of ten they pair up with a very avoidant cold i wasn't raised around any kind of lovey-dovey anything type of woman and right. any kind of anything from him is like Ugh. And they deal with that. And these men, instead of going, hey, we're not a match, it's nice knowing you, they latch on because, well, this is the only woman who's shown me any real attention. Maybe this will get better. And 20 years later, they're like, oh, this, this sucks. This woman there, wants nothing to do with me. There's also um, a more fluctuation in how women respond to certain touches. So, you know, there are 
the windows in the month where women are like, Ugh, I just don't feel good in my body and I don't want to be touched. And then there are windows where like, hey, why don't you come over and give me some kisses or give me a foot massage. And then there are also, I, I remember that after pregnancy, when I was still nursing, there were moments where I just did not want to be touched because there was constantly the infant touching me and mm. somebody literally draining my body of elixir of life. And so there are, I think, phases in a female's life um, cyclical ones and then also life stages I'm also talking about menopause where a touch is just not a welcome thing and mm. so I think a, a man who's used to just doing little, little loving touches and then hasn't done them for a while and then re-engages re in that may hit his wife at a point where I'm not hit but like may meet his wife in a stage where a, a touch might not be welcome anymore it might really throw her off and so I think that's another thing that makes it really hard for a man to know what to do and when to do what so I don't know how to bridge that. Yeah. Because I also don't want people walking around on eggshells around their women trying to figure out, does she want to be touched today? Does she want to be touched tomorrow when the moon is right? Um, for it shouldn't be like that either. For some of these couples, I'm sorry to say, it's almost an impossible task. They're, they're at this impasse. And sometimes it takes sliding the divorce papers across the table saying, I've tried all I can to connect with you, woman or man. Let's just right. keep with the woman theme right. for simple simplicity's sake. But um you know, I've tried, I've done this, I've done that, I've tried taking you out, I've tried blah, 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 and you really want nothing to do with me uh, physically or hell, even emotionally anymore, I think I'm done here. And that's where a lot of women say, uh, okay, I really, I didn't realize you were serious about this. <laughs> right. I didn't realize how serious this was to you. Let's Now, but the problem is with that, um, and we're going down another whole rabbit hole here, is that a lot of these avoidant women, when the man says, I want to go to therapy, um, in man speak, you know what the next thought they have or the next question they have for me is how long do you think until we can turn this around i said i don't know years that's that's realistic you're trying to change a personality trait in somebody that's been ingrained in them for 30 40 some odd years and you're suddenly like let's let's reignite um let's go back to a taste of what we had in the honeymoon phase which is usually the only time they get that connection is because that's over the top honeymoon phase even then it wasn't great with a lot of these women but at least it was something and uh, they're like can we go back to that probably not and if it's a one percent chance of working it's going to be after years of intense therapy you guys going together you guys going separately you guys working really hard and you're going to have days where it's good weeks where it's not good months where it's not good up and down are you ready for that and a lot of these guys say um Oh, I, I, yeah, I've been patient up to this time. I can wait another three years. Sure, why not? I love my woman to death. I don't want to leave her. And then <laughs> the man loses weight. The man starts looking better. The man's working hard. And then the little secretary at work says, you look awful handsome today, mister. And he's done. Just like that. He's out. I've seen it plenty of times. Um, yeah. That illustration of just how important that little bit of validation and connection is to these aren't bad men. These are good men. They're human beings who just need right. something. And they finally figured out the formula for the world to say, oh, I see you're a man with needs. Here you go, in the form of women who finally notice him. And these, a lot of these men are hitting their prime in their early 40s where they're professionally successful. They're more confident in their own skin. They look good, all that stuff. And now they have 20, 30-something-year-old women saying, um, uh, look at you, mister. You got one lucky wife at home. He's like, do I? Really? Yeah, I guess I do. And then he goes home. Honey, I'm home. And she's just like, eh, eh. I'm having one of my days. My stomach hurts. I just don't touch me. He's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> you string together three or four of those days in a row. And he's like, I'm out. Happens pretty quick. And it surprises the men as much as it surprises uh, the, the rest of the family, just how quick it is. 
Um, I say quick after enduring 20, 30 years of not so good stuff from her. Well, but there's also because it's um, if if intimacy is the thing that goes and is that's the part that makes the man go, ah, oh, maybe I, maybe maybe I'm not happy in this marriage. Because men are putting up with a lot, but I think when it comes to not getting getting that intimate connection and not having sex, that's probably the point where they're wondering, what am I, what am I doing this all Bing, for? ding, ding, ding. <laughs> but here, but yeah. here's the thing. They probably haven't really brought it up for a long, long time that there were other issues. Mm. So maybe there are issues and issues and issues and things they didn't like things that the wife did or oh sure sure right and so, so but they were like mm, well it's it's fine i guess that's how things change we got kids now it and is what it is she yeah. yells at me and i mean this is marriage nothing's gonna be perfect but they put up with all of that and then the sex goes away and then after 20 years we're like well no we don't even have sex anymore i don't think this is gonna work for me and at that point the woman is like oh pfft really you make this about sex yeah. when really he really should yeah. have made it about that one time she slapped him in the face for mm. saying something 20 years ago yeah every so i think it's yeah. about this is the last boundary that they have and if that's broken that the no sex part then then they're out but but maybe men should set up boundaries earlier in a relationship where they're saying i don't i don't like that absolutely and that goes for both i'm not just saying men yeah, yeah. We're obviously we're talking to a mostly male crowd so that's why I'm oh well up. the women are masters of if you sit down with a third party um and you know turn to the woman and say so in, in your from your perspective why are we here miss wife and the floodgates open and the man's just sitting there like because the woman's like February twenty third, nineteen eighty seven, <laughs> eight p.m. You said this. He's like, really? Yes. Um, uh, Doctor Psych Mom has a very cool uh, term for this: empathic ruptures. And these are little things that happen within the relationship that is like a major turning point, where one spouse expect. Let's stick with the wife expects X response to happen from the husband or X, X action to happen from the husband perfect example is um, I just gave birth to our first child she turns to the husband and he's asleep on the couch in the delivery room and uh, the most momentous occasion in their life and he's just snoring through the whole thing or after the birth and she's holding the baby and nursing and she's exhausted and tired and she turns to the man to say you know can you go get me some ice water or something and he's asleep and then uh, she's like hey hey wake up and he wakes up and he says you know what instead of me laying here and ruining my back on this couch how about i go home and i'll be back five o'clock first thing in the morning and the wife's like you're gonna leave me mm -hmm. now rationally in that guy's mind is like all i'm doing is sitting here staying awake all night long um she's sleeping with the baby or whatever what what am i doing here i could go get a good five hours sleep and come back who cares but in her mind that's one of the worst things you could have possibly done you just abandoned me and the child in our most right vulnerable moment when i just need my husband here to hold my hand and and just be with me and the baby and sing songs and we but just that, bond over sure. this moment and so a lot of men do something to the, like to that degree of awfulness and the wife remembers that for the next 20 30 but then for so first of all a lot of this just right there the expectation of what the man is supposed to do a lot of that is comes from hollywood and from what what we were raised to expect and what we feel like we're entitled to so there's that and then the second thing is there are two ways to address that you can as the woman say really i just gave I'm, birth I'm, I'm really hurt by that right or you yeah. could just say you know 
I really would feel more supported if you stayed with me and if you got me some ice chips. Or a compromise. <laughs> How about you run home, get a shower, and come right back? Right. Um, something like that, because I would really like for you to stay with me tonight, if you wouldn't mind. Right. It just, so means, th- it just means a lot to me if you did that. Every man would be like, oh, I'm sorry. A okay, lot of no, conversations in relationships aren't very mature. So, But every guy that I talk to that has these uh, really toxic coming to the end of the road marriages and the, the it usually ends what usually takes the man talking to me or going to a therapist or whatever is some really holy shit moment affairs she said or did something file for divorce blah 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 blah. he's uncovered something that makes him say who the hell is this woman and i say surely this isn't the very first right there has to be will and then an hour later i go well see dude you saw this coming 15 years ago, man. And I would say to the guy, what the fuck were you thinking? Um, just had one of those recently where the guy is uh, with a woman who has, it, it was almost like it was a joke. I thought he was almost playing a joke on me because he was like reading from the textbook of a borderline personality person. Mm. And he had never even heard of the term. And uh, her background, her actions, her violence, her her extreme emotions, her all these things, the cheating, all it was just, it was nuts. And uh, he's just like, well, I don't know what to do. And I was like, you knew what to do 15 years ago when you met right. this woman. I think there's a did. lot of innocent, naive people out there that think that their partner is going to change if they're just good enough to yeah. them and they're just sweet enough and they just stick it out long enough. I and can fix him or her. Yeah. Right. A lot. Of, and I mean, in a, in a way that's beautiful that they feel that way and that they have maybe Christian values that make them believe that. But I think also... And I just talked to that uh, to my mom about that today. You can only give your other cheek for the next slap so many times. There's only two cheeks you can give, four. Um, <laughs> so, um, so I think there there's a point when that goes back to boundaries. Nobody deserves to be abused and be in a toxic relationship. So if if a person acts toxic, and that's hard for some people to identify. Because maybe they came from a broken home where their parents never had a healthy conversation. And so some people just have a con- have a relationship that mirrors exactly what they knew from their childhood home. And so how are you supposed to pick up on those things when you mm-hmm. don't know what a healthy relationship looks like? And then again, a lot of the Hollywood stuff we see how couples fight, that's not very healthy. The women tend to slap men all the time in Hollywood movies. <laughs> And well, back in the olden days, there was the men the, slept the women. Yeah, it was the woman being hysterical, and you'd shake her by the shoulders and say, "Shut <laughs> up, calm down." Yeah. So yeah, so but I mean, basically, what that count boils down to is, um, if you marry a a broken human, then then you can't expect them to become unbroken and and for this to go well. Um, Remember what Dr. Robert Glover said: "How you find them is typically how they are." So yeah. I found this very broken woman who has this horrible toxic baggage and she's just a wreck. But man, she's a beautiful person inside. I'm going to I'm going to ignore all that awfulness and just and, and everyone convinces ourselves that I'm a better person for ignoring these 18 things that are orbiting around him or her that are terrible. Um those things mean nothing because deep down they're a really good person and I can look past all that. You got to be a little bit more pragmatic about it and say his or her narcissistic parents and their past drug abuse and their 1,000 past sexual partners and their four kids by three different men and they're all these things, they mean something. <laughs> yeah. Not all that is their fault. That's the key, that's the that's the, the, the kicker is that he or she couldn't help that, that they came from a world of abuse as a kid. Um, a, a lot of terrible stuff, but it does 
it's it's part of their Lego pieces that make up the puzzle pieces that make up the who they are. Well, it's also kind of when you early in the relationship point out things that may not be going well. Let's say when we met early on, we we had we brought some baggage into the relationship, oh, having come yeah, out of just from our immediate marriages. relationships, yeah. And um, because we had a pretty tricky situation with me accepting three stepkids and you accepting a pretty long distance long-term long-distance situation um you know a lot of maybe poor poor behavioral patterns that i had from a previous marriage that was based on long distance came out in me again and i realized well if i keep certain toxic thoughts going or or certain negative beliefs going then this is not going to work out so what did i do I actually started counseling by myself, which helped me overcome some of my previous behaviors that weren't always helping me in my relationship before. And so I think if you're watching your spouse over the years, do you see them trying to improve themselves? Do you see them taking accountability for the That's things the that term, they can right there, I was gonna say. that they yeah. can add to the marriage? Like, is it always you, or are, is there something coming from them? Like, both people have to go halfway to make things work. So that is the crucial component, right. and that is what um, the current dialogue on the internet amongst angry men who are really pissed off at women right now is: women have zero accountability. And uh, there was a famous line in the uh, movie "As Good as It Gets" by Jack Nicholson where he was the, the neurotic writer and the yes, woman yes. said, how do you write women so well? And he says, I think of a man and I take away reason and accountability. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and uh, every man quotes that as like, oh my God, that was just so perfect. Well, like anything, there's a kernel of truth to it. Um, I think women in my little experiment, Rudy's experiment and others, and we're not the only ones that have done this, have pointed out that the knee-jerk reaction, at least from, let's be fair, the most vocal portion of the female internet population who are on TikTok, Facebook, blah, 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 whatever, of that group, um, accountability is not their strong suit, Mm-mm. which is... Uh, well, women get away with a lot of stuff in society well, too. Sure, yeah, that has a lot to do with it. Yeah, right. But it doesn't help that we have this going all another rabbit hole of um, if you got a woman, and I'm you know, I'm going to piss off some people by saying this, but I'm going to say this does not appeal to the majority of men. This is not your typical objective ideal of beauty. Four hundred pounds, facial hair. She smells like garbage. She's she's dumber than a box of rocks. Okay, this person doesn't exist. Oh, have you been to Walmart recently? Well, that's true. <laughs> she goes outside in the parking lot of Walmart, and she says, "Does any man here is any man here interested in having sex with me right now?" Some dumb shit is gonna go. Well, I guess I will. Oh, I, see I got five minutes. <laughs> the equivalent man does that. And the police are called. Right. <laughs> and they haul him away. Um, there is an army of men that are so desperate for any kind of physical, emotional, whatever you want to call it, intimacy, closeness, validation, just the physical act of sex with a right. woman that but, they will take anything and everything. Mm-hmm. And that, and this is a theory, and I, I think it's true, um, gives a lot of women a sense of, well, control or. I'm a prize here. Right, right, right. Um, you know what? I got my choice. I got, you know. I have, to put, a lot of, I have to put it work. I mean, there's a lot Why of I empowerment if you are a female 
just being a female it comes with a lot of empowerment because you literally see how you can control men by offering certain things or not or by giving them attention or not so when you're a young female discovering your sexualness your sexual being and your your effect on men yeah. you toy with that and you realize very quickly oh man this guy's doing my homework for me and i, I just have to done. give him you know nothing kiss just or nothing, be, no just, or just be pay there. attention yeah give him hope right that's the right yeah. so that gives that brings a lot of power to the female identity and so for and then also of course there are women that sleep them sleep their way up in professions and and i'm not saying that that's a common thing that happens but women are able to do that and again that plays into this whole understanding of i don't really have to do anything i can do whatever i want and i can get whatever i want i just need to look halfway pretty not even i just have to have boobs and and men will just fall and and fall over themselves just pleasing me and to get to get five minutes with me in the room and unfortunately that happens often enough women use it often enough men use it often enough to where it creates a society where a lot of people just think all that they need to do is just be, be female how can we end this on a positive note <laughs> i as we're talking i'm like oh there's gonna be so many good little tiktok nuggets on this thing so you need to let you're me gonna piss actually, off so many women with what no, you, you cannot <laughs> put this all on tiktok you need to show me those things for approval oh no i'll go ahead and just do it without your approval Listen, i can't have you approving everything uh you can i'm a public figure. i am the man thank you very much i cut people open for a living do you want to be cut open for a living? <laughs> Do you think that may be a professional liability to put your face? It could be, face? actually, yes. I need you to be careful with that. Mm, man, you have to I could blur part. your face. Oh, oh okay. there's so many For ways TikTok. I want to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll blur your face, all right. <laughs> all right, so how are we going to end this? Positive note. Um, women should be more empathetic to the the need of the man and put a little effort into making time, put a little effort into initiation, put a little effort into getting past the hump to where they can have that responsive desire. Men need to be more cognizant of the fact that the wife is not engineered like him. It's not on her mind 24 seven. Not every touch and every move is towards um, the hokey pokey. You just need to have genuine intimate little connection, connection every now and then it's, and it's really the, the one thing that I think women keep forgetting is that to men, it's not just sex. Yes, maybe the sexual act may sometimes just be underwhelming. Maybe mm -hmm. sometimes it's just five minutes, but it's not just sex. It's the it's the, the actual connection that happens in that moment. All the hormones that flood our bodies. It, it's really important for the connection. It's really part of marriage. There's a reason why, why that portion of marriage is mentioned even in religion as being an important aspect. It's not just... A mechanical act that makes people happy it's it's a lot more than that and so for a man to express that as a need is is just as i said like a woman expressing a very important mm -hmm, need for her mm -hmm. so it's not it um but it I, sh we shouldn't be belittling men for yes. bringing up that as a need but in woman's defense there i am uh, playing devil's advocate here um if you go without forever as a man let's say it's a period of years eventually it does become just a mechanical sure. angry right. i need thing and he reaches over and grabs the wife and gives her a butt squeeze and she's right in interpreting that means he says i want now 
It's not, hey, you look beautiful. You look pretty today. And, you know, I just want to give you a little kiss, show you how much I appreciate you. No, no, that's all. That was out the window two years ago. Now it's just me have needs. You're not giving. You're a terrible wife. And so you're caught in this vicious circle. If she picks up on that energy, he's like, damn right I do. I mean, I've talked to men who have laid out this menu of reasons why his wife is terrible. And anybody listening to that would just sit wide-eyed and say, what the hell are you doing with this woman? And then at the end of all that, I'm like, well, you've sold me on the fact that this is one broken-ass woman and that you probably shouldn't be with her. So why is it we're talking? He goes, well, because obviously I want more sex. It's like, well, I, really? <laughs> I do want to add one little perspective yeah. that's, again, not ending it on a positive note. Mm. You still have to figure out a way to flip it. But as you grow up as a female, I remember very much... You know, you're very innocent, as a, at least in the 90s we were. I think the kids now are not. But in the 90s, when I was 15, I would go f- drive to tennis in on my bicycle. And one afternoon, a bunch of trucks were passing me as I was riding on my bicycle. And they kept honking and waving and whistling at me. And I remember... <laughs> it <was> so friendly. <laughs> no, I remember that even though I was innocent, didn't really know what was going on. You I knew the why they were doing of, it. I felt that yeah. energy and I felt stripped. I felt naked. I felt vulnerable. I felt like a victim. Like I felt like deer that was in the mm. woods. And I felt very uncomfortable with that. And so if you experience that as a female, even just a few times... It makes you just feel like you're not a human. You're not being seen as a human. You're just meat that's laying out for people to grab it. And that is a very awful, very weakening, punching in the gut kind of feeling. And so I think some women make it triggered by that. Yeah. Yeah. Or even on a first date. I've had first dates where the guy was just not reading the room and started touching my knee. And I was like, yeah, what? And I'm not that person. I like to be touched. I like physical display of affection. But there has but, to be some kind of connection first. Right. And yeah. so I, I can see where in some relationships where the women are so far gone from that, thinking that way of, her husband, of their husbands, when the husband is a little too aggressive maybe or just has that glint in his eye of, I'm horny, I need to do it, that they're just so put off and even triggered into into a sense of, oh, my God, I'm in danger which is crazy, but yeah, it, uh, yeah, it gets to the point where the man's thing. just like, "Hey, excuse me, honey, I need to get by you," and she's like, uh, "Yeah, right, like, right," oh. and that's when the man's like, "Oh boy, we got a problem." Right, and I you do even, at that point. <laughs> yeah, I can't even barely touch this woman without her cringing, literally right. cringing. But but I think that's a, an aspect that men never think of. No, we we cannot relate to the um, ever since I was a pubertal teen, people started changing the way they looked at me. No, not at all. Right, we none of well, I shouldn't say none of us. I'm sure there's some very very handsome outwardly whatever men that uh, some women treat them like you know I'm trying to think of what an equivalent would be like your Chippendales dancer or something like that <laughs> right. kind of guy you know uh, but that's very very small percentage of us the rest of us never experience anything like that yeah, yeah so we can't relate we yeah, just so all I- frame it as this is this need that we're supposed to be doing and connecting and this is just what we're uh, we should be doing as a couple and when we don't Something's majorly off here. And we're right. It is something majorly off there. Yeah, but there's also a really different dynamic in the physical aspect. Like for women, they're just really taking more of a vulnerable role. Well, you are receiving. Right. Yeah. And, and the men are more in an aggressive role. So it's going to be difficult either way because it's just so different. The experience is so different for the genders. Again, that's why you need to connect emotionally before. So we could do more cards, but the connect emotionally. Uh, on, not on the show, no. no, no. <laughs> but um, but uh, I'm going full circle here. Is that all of this 
comes so naturally and effortlessly, hard to say, at the beginning of the relationship. And that's why it is so deceiving for both sexes. The woman will say, he used to be so sweet. He used to give me notes. He used to drop me flowers randomly. And that just all went out the window. And man will say, do you know why I used to do all that stuff? Because she used to validate the hell out of me. And I felt like a king. And I was rewarding her for, thank you for being the thing that makes me feel so good. You so there's rewarding her. It's suspicious. It's well, not like she's like a puppy that you give a treat to. In, in a, well, but no, consciously but it's, it's not. But it's, it's a back and forth. It's like you me, give me something, I give you you're something. You're making me you give feel, me something. But, but it's not even conscious. It's just like. You feel he, like he's it. just driving to work going, I love my woman to death. I, you know what? Flower shop pulls in, gets her right. flowers and turns around and goes back to the town and gives her. She's like, oh, you're so nice. He's like, He wasn't thinking if I do this, I will get sex or I did this because sex. All he knows is I feel this way. This is why I'm doing it. And then he stops feeling that way. She stops feeling that way. And I call it the Mexican standoff. Somebody has to shoot first. Somebody has to say. I'm making an effort. When they're both just like, I don't need to make an effort because she doesn't do this. Well, I'm not making an effort because he doesn't do this. Now you're just stuck. All right, that's scorekeeping. That's not never good yeah, anyway. No. All right, I think we've exhausted our listeners. Okay, that was I'm a long one. I'm definitely exhausted. <laughs> All righty. Well, until next time, we should do more of these. And like I said, we're recording the video for our DSO fraternity members hello we will put that up dso fraternity go to dso fraternity.com or dadstartingover.com and join us 14 dollars 99 cents a month try it out for one month we have the discussion groups we have live zoom meetings we have in-person meetups we have the coaching which is heavily discounted for our members we have a podcast for our members we have articles we have just all kinds of cool stuff. And then you also, of us and here. then you get to see our pretty faces. We'll do more of these kind of things. I'll do more um, fraternity-only videos, not both of us, just myself or some of the coaches and stuff. So we're going to make it a more, even more of a multimedia experience. So thank you guys for listening. Appreciate it a great deal. And we will catch you on the next one. We'll say bye. 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 <laughs> if you're listening to this, you're probably a guy who is interested in self-improvement. You probably consume a lot of information like these podcasts, YouTube videos, audiobooks, courses, everything you can to learn more and help you become the best man that you can be. And if you're like a lot of men, there's something still missing. Well, I can tell you what that missing thing probably is. Quality time with other men that are on the same mission as you. Some of you probably have casual relationships with your fellow soccer dads or the occasional beer with guys from the neighborhood, but none of them seem to be on the same page as you. Am I right? They seem content with their shitty marriages, their shitty jobs, and their expanding waistlines. They have all but given up. You find yourself talking to them about the same football teams, listening to their stories about their subpar home life, and you're getting to the point where you dread hanging around them. Well, the good news is that we have assembled a group of men just like you. We call our group the DSO Fraternity. We have live Zoom meetings that are hosted by yours truly, along with the other members of the DSO team. We have a very active private discussion forum, a Discord server for our lifetime members, a members-only podcast, access to my books in audiobook and PDF format at no extra charge, discounts on one-on-one -on -one coaching with myself, and other members of the team, discounts on our video courses, and access to our in-person gatherings. We have met in Nashville, Tennessee, Austin, Texas, Las Vegas, 
Australia, Amsterdam, and soon in New Orleans. So check it out, the DSO Fraternity at dsofraternity.com. We have monthly, annual, and lifetime membership options available. I think you will find our group is the missing piece of the puzzle that you have been looking for.